0: The Blockhash podcast is also brought to you by Viva Digital. Viva Digital has a team of experts that can solve the technological problems of your computer. They also offer the best advice to carry out those computer projects that you have planned. They are located in beautiful Medellin, Colombia in Monterey Mall. Be sure to follow them on Instagram at vivadigital.com.co and don't miss any promotion. All of the awesome audio soundtracks and beats on the Blockhash podcast are brought to you by my good friend Tiger with It's Tiger Music. Go check out It's Tiger on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Music. What's up, guys? It is Wednesday, July 22nd. This week on the podcast, I have Kaye Rosenbaum. Sorry, I hope you said your name right. (laughs) Um, But he's the author of Groking Bitcoin. And we talk about Bitcoin, kind of the fundamentals behind it, why he wrote the book. And I think it's something that you guys will enjoy and can take some value out of. Also, thanks to Manning Publications, you guys have a 40% discount if you use code PODBLOCKASH20. I will put that in the description as well. And stay tuned on social media because I will be giving away five free ebooks. There will be a code for that. So stay tuned keep your eyes peeled as always be sure to subscribe if you have not already and share this episode with somebody that you think would like to learn more about blockchain bitcoin or rocking bitcoin enjoy
1: we're we're doing just fine without
0: uh, strict uh, uh, lockdowns what's it like living in sweden though like i i know very little about sweden (laughs) Uh,
1: Sweden is cold in the winter and uh, um, uh, nice, warm in in the summer. Right now it's summer, of course, so uh, we have a very nice uh, summer day today in the archipelago. Uh, Twenty-four degrees or something like that, Celsius. That this. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I love the Swedish summer. Uh, I love the Swedish winter too, but uh, summer is awesome. <laughs> Gotcha. And yeah, uh, you have a lot of different uh, colors in different uh, time of the year.
0: Do you guys see, you do get some seasons.
1: Yeah, yeah, a lot of them. I mean, yeah.
0: That's good. No, we don't get seasons in Nevada. It's just hot desert air. Yeah, (laughs) all year round. Same thing with Medellin. It's just tropical in 75 to 80 years, year-round. It doesn't really change. Yeah. But I know that's Ooh. nice. Um, yeah, how, how are people handling the whole pandemic and everything there? I know Europe got hit pretty hard, but I haven't really heard much about Sweden. Well, I
1: said, yeah, um, it's pretty relaxed, as I said. But some people are, of course, freaking out and some are more, uh, you know, uh, doesn't aren't too bother, bothered with it. So... Uh, I think people are handling it pretty well and we are not much more, we're not hit harder than, than uh, any other country.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so uh, I think we're doing quite well actually. Do you know how many cases you guys got? I lost count. Uh, <laughs> I think we had about five, 6,000 deaths so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is... Uh, but we're ten million people, so per million. So per million, it's uh, five or six hundred per million. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. I st- uh,
1: and oh. it's mostly elderly. Elderly, of course.
0: Okay. Yeah. yeah. Most most of the casualties are elderly uh, worldwide. Anyway. Yeah. Or or people who are already sick. Right. Somehow. Yeah. I stopped counting a while ago just because the numbers keep changing every day. Um, yeah. They flatlined for a while and they spiked again over the summer. I'm not really surprised. It's gotten pretty bad in the US. Um, yeah. Columbia has actually done pretty well. And then we had an outbreak, uh, a bit more of one in late June. <laughs> so now they've kind of clamped back down and lockdown got a little bit stricter. But yeah. Other than that, it's not too bad here. I think overall they've had like maybe 60,000 cases in the country total couple thousand deaths, maybe total out of, I think is like 40, 50 million people. So not too bad. Um, Definitely weathering it better than most countries. But anyways, um, thank you for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate, you know, taking the time to do it and everything. So like before we kind of jump into like your book and everything and and blockchain and, and Bitcoin, um so the audience can kind of get an idea of like who you are um can you kind of give like a little bit about your backgrounds um where you came from, kind of where you are now? obviously, we know you're in Sweden um or like what you're working on now uh, just kind of give them like a general idea
1: yeah uh so uh, my background is in computer science. I worked as a software developer for twenty plus years mm-hmm. I discovered Bitcoin in 2013 I think it was mm-hmm. and uh, got pretty hit by it I started uh, digging into the technical details of Bitcoin in 2014 you know when I when I started realizing I could ac- actually understand this system <laughs> uh, it was quite uh, quite an eye opener for me to to actually understand that I could could uh, could um, grok this system. Mm-hmm. That's Bitcoin. So I continued on, on that journey and dig in deep, deep, dig deeper and deeper, um, and started blogging about Bitcoin. And in two thousand fifteen, I started my own consultancy uh, to help develop systems around Bitcoin for various Swedish companies. Uh, so I've been worked. I've been working with Bitcoin since two thousand fifteen, mm-hmm. which is a pretty much of a blessing Um, and in 2016 uh, I was contacted by by a publisher called Manning Publications Mm -hmm. and they asked me if I wanted to write a book about blockchain and uh, I thanked them for the interest and and said I wanted to write a book about Bitcoin because I think blockchain is pretty much overhyped as a a word (laughs) I wanted to focus mm-hmm. on Bitcoin because that's where my interest is, is, or was at the moment. So um, we started uh, talking about that and uh, negotiated some nice terms. So we uh, started working on this book in late 2016. So it's been quite a long journey because it, it took me two and a half years to write this book. It was published. A little bit more than a year ago now so it's been out on the market for a year so um,
0: that's where I come from nice nice what was your initial interest in Bitcoin yeah good question what actually
1: got me really hooked was that I could understand and grasp the technology itself um, no actually to be quite honest uh, the, <laughs> the first <laughs> my first uh, uh, Interesting Bitcoin was the speculative assets you know I bought some just to see if it catches on you know um, but that got me digging deeper that got me into the technology so it's uh that was my leeway in into bitcoin uh, so that's so actually it's a speculation that got me in the very beginning but then uh, the technology took took over my interests so uh, I've been into the tech now
0: for since 2014 or
1: so yeah
0: yeah i remember i think 2013 was about the same time that i got interested in bitcoin and that i really started learning about it um yeah i think that was about the time it really had its first run up in price where it went to like 1200 dollars, and then and then it crashed and went back down to like 300 or 200 bucks or something for a couple of years um i saw yeah run it was like the first time it got in the news too they were like this magical internet money called bitcoin is well it's worth like twelve hundred dollars now it used to be worth a couple dollars (laughs) i remember yeah that that whole news cycle and everything that that really got me interested in, in why that was happening um yeah it was like right off of the the heels of the recession we were having in america and people were very skeptical of the banking system. And all of a sudden there's this magical internet money that's doing really well. (laughs) So I remember that sparked my interest and a lot of people's interest. So that's kind of, that was like my diving point where I kind of got in. Yeah, so we're pretty much the same there. Yeah. Yeah, I think very similar there.
1: It was wild, uh, rising from 200 bucks to 1200 or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Eleven hundred, maybe. Yeah, that was really wild. (laughs) And we see more. uh, Yeah, then we had this um, December two
0: thousand seventeen bull run as well. Yeah, that one was was wild too. That one was fun, and it happened very quickly. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that was definitely a case where you had a ton of buy orders and practically zero sell orders coming in, and it moved very, very fast. Um, Yeah. tons of volume, trade volume in a 24 hour period. But I mean, it helped that it wasn't just Bitcoin. I mean, there was a whole ecosystem that was starting to exist. Um, Did you ever check out or find any of the other cryptocurrencies interesting other than Bitcoin? Like, Did you ever um, take a look at Litecoin or Ripple or Dash and see any similarities or differences or things you liked or disliked
1: no not really none of those coins have have, uh, actually caught my interest Mm -hmm. um, that much because uh, i i'm a strong believer in the network effect of bitcoin Mm -hmm. and uh, uh, there are just so many uh, old coins that just you can't study them all (laughs) right uh so uh, I'll I'll focus on Bitcoin and that's where my interest lies and I I just tend to to ignore uh altcoins. Well actually I do have some interest in in um in namecoin, one of the very first altcoins. Actually I think it was the first altcoin. I'm not sure. Uh namecoin is a decentralized uh, uh naming system. Mm-hmm aim to replace dns right if you ever heard of it i, I don't know but uh, now it's pretty much uh gone or dead but it no it's not dead it it is alive the 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 blockchain is
0: churning along yeah it's it's there still i, I remember name service when it first came out it was um I, after Bitcoin, I mean, there was, you know, Ethereum came out and then people started getting really creative. Like, what could you do with blockchain? What kind of solutions could you create? And like Namecoin was one of them having this decentralized domain system. Um, yeah. Uh, Ethereum's kind of really taken that over in popularity with the ENS system because you can link an ENS domain to a real world domain uh, through IPFS, if you're familiar with all that stuff, so it's um, it's kind of taken away some of the luster from what Namecoin did originally, but it's not dead. I mean, it's still there. It could definitely make a comeback. I mean, who really knows? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So i thought
1: I thought that was an an interesting experiment, at least because uh, it's a it was a quite viable solution. I think Um, Mm
0: -hmm. it it could definitely make a comeback. I mean. Block. I mean, other than just Bitcoin, like blockchain in general, the whole fintech industry seems to be growing tremendously. So there's so many solutions that can be created and you could probably talk all day long about all the different things out there and all the things being done, which there's no point in doing that. Um, But... I don't know. I've definitely been very interested in all of those. Um, I I love seeing the different solutions people come up with, but I always end up coming back to Bitcoin because it solves a very important issue. And I think you'd agree. It's, it's that of money. Um, Yeah, exactly. And the whole network effect um, I I find all that interesting too. Um, And it's, it's cult following and (laughs) the fact that it's growing year over year. But I mean, for you, what was, what about the network effect of Bitcoin um, regarding like the popularity of Bitcoin, it, the following it has, uh, the network that it's built over time? Um, is that something that really drew you to Bitcoin and that still draws you to Bitcoin?
1: I, I don't think, uh, I don't think adoption itself is what drives me to Bitcoin uh, Mm -hmm. What drives me to Bitcoin is the possibilities for people who need Bitcoin um, like people in Venezuela or other uh, parts of the world with totalitarian regimes or uh, or countries under blockade like Iran. Those people actually have a problem (laughs) that needs solving and Bitcoin might be part of that solution. And I think um i think uh, so far bitcoin seems to be their only shot right now mm-hmm. and that's that's what i find interesting not i don't i don't i don't wish for bitcoin to become adopted because of adoption but but i think it will get adopted because people need bitcoin and i don't care about uh, uh, people in the rich west world Speculating in Bitcoin like I originally did, mm-hmm. <laughs> admittedly, but, but that's not the importance, that's not the importance of Bitcoin. The importance lies in enabling the disabled people, or yeah, uh, the, the people who don't have access to banking or access to, to, um, f- to free, mm-hmm. free money. It's the wrong word, but open money, <laughs>
0: or uh, access to money electronic money. Yeah, Bitcoin definitely gives you sovereignty over your money. That's definitely one of the biggest um, aspects to it that I think a lot of people like, especially if you're in a country like North Korea or Iran or, or China, you know, and you want control of your money or you want privacy or you want um, anonymity. Or you, or you just want, you know, control over the value that you have. I mean, it's definitely helped a lot of people, including in Venezuela, too. I've heard tons of stories of people that have been able to start a new life simply by buying Bitcoin, preserving their wealth, crossing the border, and then being able to start over again. Um, yeah, those are small Yeah, and those are some small cases for sure, but it's definitely um, optimistic of where the future is going it's I'm not sure how countries will react to it though because I mean there's a lot of you know pushback to allowing Bitcoin in certain places where it's probably needed most um, yeah but I don't, I don't know hopefully that that adoption comes to a degree or at least governments aren't closed off to allowing people to buy Bitcoin for monetary purposes
1: yeah and um, will we can only guess what happens. I mean, uh, they will, some countries will probably do all they can to ban it or Mm -hmm. hinder it. But um, I I guess it's going to be different in different uh, jurisdictions. uh, Jurisdictions, sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So, uh, and I, I guess we're gonna, we're gonna see all kinds of reactions from, from officials. Uh, in different countries, so uh, We'll see what happens uh, Yeah, we can only speculate. It's one things for sure. They cannot stop Bitcoin
0: mm-hmm. But they can they can punish people. Yeah, they can Yeah, they they've, they've definitely been doing that in China um, I, I know that it's not illegal to own Bitcoin in China But if you're buying or selling it or you're or you're mining it, you can definitely get arrested um, it's kind yeah. of weird how they've gone about that, because I know the courts have ruled differently than what the government would like <laughs> in China regarding yeah. crypto overall. And it's been yeah. incredibly controversial in the U.S. on what to do about it, and most places in the world. Um, but I mean, it's it's a lot of it's getting more favor every single year. I mean, it's even gotten governments talking about national uh, currencies like a digital dollar, digital. Chinese yuan, um, so I mean, it's definitely created a lot of debate um, and a lot of talk about you know where the future of money is going. Yeah, the Swedish central bank is also discussing
1: uh, uh, electronic crowns. They call it the e-crown, mm-hmm. uh, which is still just on the drawing board. I mean, they haven't a proper solution yet, but they're talking about it. And it's they made a lot of fuss about it, but uh, there's there's uh, nothing there yet. It's just <laughs> just just talk so far, but uh, yeah, they're definitely discussing it uh, all over the place.:
0: Yeah, I think China is about to launch theirs actually. Um, the People's Bank of China has done a bunch of tests with it um, that includes some partnerships with like Starbucks and Donald's and some big franchises um. Yeah. So, I mean, we, so let's call let's call it the surveillance dollar. <laughs> yeah, I am not sure it's something I'm going to be bullish on or I'd want to buy, but <laughs> they're definitely trying to get to market before everybody else with this stuff. Um, so that'll yeah, that'll be a, interesting. It's an efficient
1: way to get people to uh, reveal what they're buying. <laughs>
0: <laughs> For yeah. the
1: officials to, to get insight into people's behaviors.
0: Yeah. So it, it's, it, Easier and cheaper and faster too for them um, to have a centralized um, chain or blockchain of their own than it is yeah. to just print paper money all the time. So yeah, some benefits for them.
1: Yeah, for the people. Yeah, but, but mostly it, I, I think it's a benefit for the for the for the government who can actually uh, see all the transactions and and uh, punish people who buy illicit stuff. It's a double-edged sword.
0: Yeah, it can definitely be a double-edged sword. Um, I mean, yeah. in Sweden, do you know how have they regulated Bitcoin or have they regulated it at all? I'm not sure what's actually mean,
1: meant by regulated, but there are, there are some stances. They have made some statements on Bitcoin, mm-hmm. especially the tax, the tax authorities have made statements about Bitcoin, how it's supposed to be taxed. Uh, but there are no There are no kind of bans or anything on Bitcoin. It's just mm-hmm. uh, you, You're free to buy Bitcoin, but uh, of course the the exchanges still must obey the KYC and AML rules mm-hmm. How are they? Taxing? So, uh, uh, it's it's a capital gains tax and that's mm-hmm. 30% in Sweden, so we, we're ta if I make a if I gain if I make a hundred dollar gain when I sell my bitcoin i'm I need to tax thirty
0: dollars so is it being considered property from that standpoint then actually they call it they call it something like
1: other assets it's a group of things they call other access, uh, other assets and uh, for example a painting is another is mm-hmm. is another asset so it's it's more like collectibles. Or so they, okay. they regard it as a collectible, uh, I think, something like that.
0: Yeah, I know in the US they've painted it with quite a broad brush. They just kind of said Bitcoin is, uh, is considered property for tax purposes. Yeah. And that's led to all right. kinds of uh, creative ideas, like things you can do with, with land and property um, apply to Bitcoin <laughs> in, in weird ways. Things you can do with gold you know, apply to Bitcoin from, from a tax perspective. So there's been some really interesting ways people have been trying to, um, so, sorry, is, is gold also considered a
1: property like that?
0: Yeah. At least in America, yeah. from a tax point of view, gold is considered property that you own. Um, okay. and they classify different types of assets a certain way. In, um, I said Columbia in, uh, America. Um, so that you know what tax bracket they fit into and what you can do to minimize your taxes or calculate your taxes. Um, so like they'll have like stocks and equities and then they'll have like property and then they'll have what's considered money or currency. Um, they kind of just lumped Bitcoin into the whole bracket of property. (laughs) Um, yeah. Which is good and bad in certain ways. Um, Like, for example, there's what's called the wash rule. Um, So like if you in stocks, like if you sold a stock, you can't buy the stock back immediately. So if you're trying to take a a loss, like a paper loss on your stock, um, you could do that, but you couldn't buy back the stock and short it in such a way. Um, All right. Wait, like 30 days, for example. Whereas you can do that with Bitcoin. So let's say you buy Bitcoin at a thousand dollars and it goes to 500 and you sell it. Now you have a $500 loss you can take against your taxes. Yeah. Right. But you can, what's different is that you can buy your Bitcoin back immediately if you want to, um, without any repercussion because it's not considered a stock or an equity. It's considered a property. Um, So it kind of has the benefits of fluctuating and being volatile like a stock. Um, but it has all the properties of being a property. (laughs) Um, so there's been all kinds of creative ways that people have been using crypto, at least in the U S and I know that's probably similar in other places too. Yeah. The final topic I want to get into is obviously the main topic, (laughs) uh, your book, um, grokking Bitcoin. Let's talk about that. Um, what does grokking mean?
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a slang. Uh, it, it, um, it comes from a from a from a book called Stranger in a Strange Land. It's a sci-fi novel from the sixties, mm-hmm. and there the word grok showed up in a couple of places, and it meant something like uh, to deeply understand or on an, or to understand on an uh, nearly empathical level. So, so understand on a deeper level, uh, become one with the subject. You know, uh, really getting it, um, be being the subject. Uh, wow. So yeah.
0: So, gra- so it's and
1: it's, it's kind of like grasping. Yeah, but yeah. more than grasp, I think. Yeah.
0: Okay. Cool. I'll have to start using okay. that word. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. It's it's caught on a lot in, in computer science circles, uh, so mm-hmm. you see it a lot. But yeah, technical
0: writing. <laughs> gotcha. So what's what's grokking Bitcoin about? Um, like, why'd you write the book? Yeah. So
1: Bitcoin, grokking Bitcoin is is a book about Bitcoin. It it uh, it teaches the reader about how Bitcoin works on a d- very deep level. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're familiar with the book, Mastering Bitcoin by Andrea Santanopoulos, mm-hmm. this book, Grocking uh, Bitcoin covers basically the same kind of topics, but I teach it in a very different way. Um, so my book is based on illustrations. I mean, there are several hundreds of highly detailed illustrations there. And uh, coupled with uh, with concrete examples, so the book the book starts from scratch. The book actually builds Bitcoin from scratch, starting with uh, uh, with a very simple system that anyone can understand. That is a that is an online spreadsheet uh, that everybody can download, and uh, everything is just clear text. It says like uh, Alice to Bob five. Uh, Five cookie tokens. We we call the system cookie tokens in the book as we go, but we will build upon this crappy system. We have a lot of problems with this very simple online spreadsheet. You know, there's no privacy and uh, it's uh, prone to censorship and all that. So we apply Bitcoin tech chapter by chapter, and towards chapter eight, we uh, we have actually uh, created the system that we call Bitcoin. So we, we we kill the problems along along the way, and in chapter eight we end up with Bitcoin. So you so that you understand why each topic or each technology that's our, that's used in Bitcoin, you really understand why that technology is used. For example, why proof of work is used to uh, to decentralize the, the creation of blocks, mm-hmm. and so forth. So. Yeah, so that that's the path, and then after chapter eight, we have a few more chapters that just dis- discuss uh, uh, a little a bit deeper. Uh, for example, sigwit uh, and stuff like that. So it's it's a journey, and uh, you, you should probably read this book sequentially. And it's for it's not only for developers. This book, I I my. The target person I had in mind was was a a technically interested person who wanted to understand Bitcoin on a deep level without being a developer. So there's no code in this book. So it's just just illustrations and concrete examples that are hopefully easy to follow along. And it's also every chapter contains a a number of exercises that you can do to validate your your, uh, how well you grok the, the topics.
0: What's the exercises like? Are they just like questions about what you read? Yeah, basically,
1: yeah. Uh, some, some, there are two types of, of uh, exercises. Uh, we start off with uh, some simple ones, you know, simple fact checks. Uh, like, uh, like uh, what's, what's the hash function in, a, a, what hash function is used for proof of work, for example? Then mm-hmm. you should know that it's double SHA-256, for example. Uh, and uh, then, then I have a se- uh, sequence of uh, tougher questions, which requires more thinking. Or uh, and so, bo- so both both simple, fast fact checks and more uh, in-depth questions uh, or exercises.
0: So, I mean, regarding your target audience, is it something that's fairly easy for a kid to read or is it more built for someone that's, you know, going into college or coming out of schooling or like, what's the age range?
1: Yeah, it's it's for grownups, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, definitely. It, 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 is, it is a pretty tough book. It's not an easy read in any way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a tough book but anyone with a technical uh, interest should be able to, to grok bitcoin if they give it enough time and just walk through the book uh, at their own pace. So but but it, but it is um, it is tough it, especially if you're yeah uh, I mean mm-hmm. if you're not that techy uh, you might find it a bit difficult, but if, okay. if if you have a good understanding on what a database is or what a what a computer network is, uh, you should be fine. Actually, um,
0: when you were you know in the process of you know writing this and putting this together, are there, is there anything about Bitcoin that you learned maybe more about or that you learned that you didn't know prior?
1: Um, I'd say that uh, Segwit. Was one of those topics that uh, that I really had to research for this book. Mm-hmm. But actually, every chapter uh, is every chapter is a result of of deep research because mm-hmm. no no one can write a book like this and just get it right. Uh, you need to every fact that you write, you need to actually double check it or or mm-hmm. ask people who know more than you how it actually works so 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 it's a real it's it's a learning experience for me too it was it really was a learning experience right uh, of course i didn't know nearly i knew just a fraction of this book uh, when i started out (laughs) actually so yeah, it, it was a tough learning experience. That's part of why it took two and a half years to write it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I remember writing a lot of papers when I was in college. And no matter how much I knew about a topic, I had to do tons of research and I had to use tons of different sources. Um, but I'd always like come away with some better understanding of at least some aspect of whatever I was writing about or putting together. Um that's why i kind of asked the question um and you said you learned quite a bit more about SegWit, right yeah what what about SegWit did you learn more about because it's actually something that i don't know too much about i i know that it you know made uh bitcoin a bit easier <laughs> in terms of being a payment um but on a technical level i know practically nothing about SegWit. yeah right
1: uh so the main thing I learned about SegWit is actually what problems or what what improvement it brings. Uh, it's not just the, the 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 most common improvement you hear about is something called transaction malleability. Uh, maybe I shouldn't go into detail what that is, but that's that's one of the main goals for for SegWit to fix something called transaction malleability, and that's basically. Uh, transaction malleability means basically that a transaction can change uh, in subtle ways without without uh, without changing the the effect of the transaction, but the ID of the transaction changes, and that causes problems in the Bitcoin network or for and for uh, certain wallets. And that's one of the problems that Bitcoin uh, that SegWit fixes. But there are other uh, problems that SegWit fixes, like inefficient verification of signatures. If you have a lot of signatures, uh, signature verification becomes more efficient with uh, with SegWit. And you also get a, a, a bump in the block size, for example. Uh, we had a maximum block size of one megabyte before SegWit, and now we have a theoret- theoretical maximum by uh, uh block size of four megabytes, but that's
0: mm-hmm.
1: a practical limit is now 2.4 megabytes or something like that. Uh, so, so it's those kind of uh, subtle, subtle improvements that, that I had to learn about.
0: Now, that's awesome. Did What else will people be able to take away from your book? Or is it mostly just like technical knowledge on, you know, how Bitcoin works?
1: It is mostly technical.
0: Okay. Uh, on how it works,
1: yeah. Uh, and the main takeaway is probably that uh, the reader will understand how little they know about Bitcoin, <laughs> <laughs> because you know, you more you the more you learn about Bitcoin, the more you you understand how little you actually know. Uh, so it's it can be quite um, disappointing in that way, <laughs> but <laughs> but you will when, you you will you will be stronger in a way because. Uh, it, it will be harder to fool you into accepting changes to Bitcoin that you actually wouldn't agree with. Mm-hmm. You get the you get the knowledge to vet new ideas, uh, to like or dislike new ideas uh, on technical merits. You you can you can judge ideas by yourself uh, without trusting others, and that's a very important property in Bitcoin that that uh, that. And, and awesome. run their code and run their, and run their code of choice that implement the rules that they agree with. So that's one of the major goals with this book actually is to, to have the reader judge for themselves whether they trust the system or not, and to be able to, to understand the code they are running, not the code itself, but what the code does.
0: I mean, you seem to understand it on a fairly technical level. Obviously, you've wrote the book and everything. So let me ask you this question that's kind of you know debated amongst most people nowadays. Do you think Bitcoin is going to, in the future, function as money? Or do you think it'll function more like an asset that people will be able to just hold and that will appreciate or depreciate in value? I
1: think, I think it will function as, as money. Uh, and it will emerge as money probably in in places that we didn't think of <laughs> or mm-hmm. in communities that we didn't think of uh, uh, on the internet i th- i think the 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 first of course i have no idea but but i i, th- I think i think the uh, it will emerge on the internet communities somehow uh, the, the the money function will emerge there but but also in physical world Physical world will probably, uh, lag a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, think, I think we'll see money use for Bitcoin. Absolutely. Uh, especially with second layer technologies like lightning network, mm-hmm. which enables a better payment experience.
0: Yeah. So, I've, yeah. Used, I've used lightning network quite a few times. It is, um, a little difficult to work around at first, but it is very, very fast. <laughs> it does kind yeah. of help create a payment system for Bitcoin. So I am excited to see that continue growing. Um, and I've talked to a lot of people in this industry too, and they, some people are very supportive of it and some people are against it thinking it's just not going to be enough for Bitcoin. Um, yeah, it seems like Bitcoin, you know, to function as money with some of the issues it does have, it'll take, um, a lot of layered to solutions to to get it there. If it's going to function as cash, as money, um, yeah, exactly. I, I think uh, Lightning is not a silver
1: bullet. It's like one piece of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. Piece of the puzzle. Uh, we need. I mean, <laughs> depending on what you're going to use it for. I mean, if you're going to do, it works just fine for high value transfers today. Uh, but that's that's not what every everyday people do but it does work nice in some ways, but Mm. not all. We need different different solutions for different problems.
0: Right. I I think the thing that concerns people the most about Bitcoin being money is the fact that it's just too slow and then the transaction fees get pretty high. Um, So without some good layered solutions, it might not really function as money with all the competition that's out there. but, I mean, I could be wrong about that too. I mean, who really knows? I mean, we are pretty early in this, aren't we?
1: I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. If if the transaction fees are too too high for small value transfers in Bitcoin, well, move your Bitcoin to something else and do the transaction there and then back to Bitcoin. Uh, mm. Maybe I I. I mean, you can move a bigger sum to another wallet with some other, uh, tokens in it. If you want, if you want quick, mm-hmm. quick payments, and then you can do a bunch of quick payments there and then move back to, to Bitcoin. But I think, I think most of those solutions will be built natively on Bitcoin, uh, on layer two solutions.
0: Yep. Any, anyways, regarding your book, um, you know, where, where can people buy it and can they buy it with Bitcoin? That's a very good question. No, you can't buy it with Bitcoin
1: actually. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, But it's available on Manning's website. Mm -hmm. It's manning.com slash books slash rocking dash Bitcoin. Okay. That's, that's the landing page for the book. Uh, You can buy it there. If you want to try before buy this book is also available open source. Uh, so it's, it is available on GitHub, just search Grocking Bitcoin on GitHub and you'll find it there. And I'll also put, I've also put up, uh, ah, never mind. Uh, yeah. So you can find it on GitHub if you just want to, you know, uh, get a, get an idea on what, on the contents.
0: Jeez. Manning at some point should Im- implement a, a Bitcoin pay feature so people can actually buy your book in yeah. Bitcoin. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah yeah, I'll give them a little push and see if they're interested in doing that. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. yeah i'll I'll gladly help them out uh, yeah mm-hmm. but uh, also, if they have any questions uh, about the book, they can reach out to me on at uh, on Twitter. I'm
0: at Kalle Rosenbaum. one word. Awesome. You're on Twitter. Are you on Instagram at all or any other platforms? No. Just I'm uh,
1: I'm mostly mostly on Twitter, okay. uh, a little bit on the Mastodon. There, I'm Kalle uh, at Kalle at Mastodon.cloud.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you for taking the time to come on and you know talk about your book and you know have an awesome talk about Bitcoin and everything and um, where it's going and learning a little bit more about you and your background. Um, I think it was a fun conversation. I think a lot of people will enjoy it. Um, so again thank you for for coming on and we'll have to do it again soon
1: yeah thank you so much for having me on it was a pleasure talking to you
0: absolutely anytime anytime Um, stay safe in quarantine Uh, have fun in Sweden
1: (laughs) yeah you too have fun in Colombia I hope you get back home soon
0: yeah me too Um, hopefully hopefully in September we'll see what's if this virus gets any better (laughs) nice stay safe man all right you too talk to you later bye Yeah.
1: yeah bye